Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is a podcast from Minute Media. <laughs> it would be a wolf, but I. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Wolves Fancast. It's me, Rich Hobbs. Um, I was going to say celebrating Wolves 1-0 win over West Ham. I'm getting so used to talking about us winning this season. It's it's a wonderful, warm feeling. Joining me, I was going to say as ever. It's not as ever because he's not always on the show. But joining me is Blake, who I'm pretty sure if we never lost a game whilst you've been on or is it a winning streak i nope. just want to make sure um, we on a winning streak or a defeat i think streak? it's a winning streak because i think yeah every single every single time i've been on this show we've won so oh, i was gonna say oh, i was gonna say if, if that isn't a reason to keep having you on i don't know what is and also joining me is the senior vice president of the king Kilman club it's adam price <laughs> I need to get a badge made up now with that with that title uh, and something like here to help underneath. <laughs> See, I uh, know, no, I'm thinking um, sign for the. I'm assuming where you are is the study door, so like a l- little plaque, and also one of those things you can get on a desk yes. as well, like the triangle. Yeah. Yes, I need. I need to basically have a corporate Kilman desk. It's basically yeah. what I need. That's what I need. Yeah. I think uh, we, we can make it happen. We'll look at the fan cast budget. Um, I know what we're doing for Secret Santa this year, so that works out perfectly. Um, so I was going to say, before we get going, we'll get through the admin. Um, as always, we're really proud to be part of the uh, 90min um, football podcast network. Um, really great to be associated with them. Go check them out as well, alongside having our podcast being affiliated with them. They also do lots of uh, blogs and articles as well, so keep up to date on all of that. Um, let's go to Saturday because we were chatting about it beforehand um, in terms of it just being a it almost surreal how how good a game it, it was, both from a wall perspective, from a neutral. Um, so let's dive right in. First game back after international break, always a bit of uncertainty around it. 
Um, starting lineup comes out. I think the only major talking point was who was going to play on the right attacking wing. Um, you know, was it going to be Podence, Troyer, or Trincao? Um, it was Podence at the time, guys. Adam, how did you sort of feel about um, DP10 starting? <laughs> yeah, DP10. Um, <clears throat> I think he'd been, if you're keeping a close eye on the social media channels all week, and, some, and more specifically, Podence's social media channels all week. He'd been dropping subtle hints, hadn't it, all, all week that he was, I think he put something on about it's my time to shine or, or something like that. So it seems to me that he'd been told fairly early on that he was going to get get a fair chance or get, get his chance this week, um, which I was actually quite pleased about, uh, to be honest, because uh, obviously I've, I've said on this podcast before how Trincao, I'm not still completely convinced by, although he did have a good game against Everton. Um, and Traore, he's obviously a bit of a weird one at the, at the moment because there seems to be a bit of politics around his reasonings for being out of the team at the moment. So, And, and Pedenza has actually been quite a good impact sub. And I use that term... I use that term with a bit of dread on Pedenza's behalf because someone like him obviously doesn't want to be stuff as being the quote-unquote impact sub. Um, so that was, the, that was yeah, the, the one major thing that, that we had to talk about line-up-wise because uh, it, I wouldn't, whilst Trincao's been okay, I've, I've kind of wanted to see Pedence have his, have his chance for a while as well. Um, I'm glad he got it and I think he took it, I think he took his chance as well. Yeah, 1,000%. One, 1, um, Blake, were you sort of similar mindset um, in terms of sort of opponent starting? I think. Yeah, say, I, yeah, I don't really think it's a surprise to anybody because, I mean, the position itself has essentially been a carousel this whole year. I mean, we don't really have anyone at the moment who's solidly taken that spot, partially because Neto's gone. But. No, I was glad to see Potence because, you know, I think Potence has a lot of promise. And, and like Adam had said, um, he did take a lot of his chances. I mean, he looked a little unfinished, let's say, a bit uh, rough around the edges, just because I think he hasn't played in starting 11 for a while, or at least consistently. Um, but no, I mean, he set up Raw beautifully for the goal, and you certainly can't fault Bruno for putting him out there. Yeah, I think the other, the other thing that I, I thought was interesting um for, for want of a better word is i think he gives us a really good option but if you've got him playing on the right and although i don't think that's probably his preferred position he has the option to kind of drift inside and either play you know behind a front two and everyone kind of moves along a bit and there's quite a lot of dynamism in terms of what he can offer in terms of creating space and i'd be interested to know or work out, and I probably should have done it before I started recording, you know, a podcast on it, is, um, you know, both kind of, we've all kind of said, you know, it's a bit of a carousel. None of them are really getting like four, three or four games in a row, it feels like. Um, and Podence seems to be someone who he needs that run of games to, to really make an impact because it's it can be kind of hard to judge a player. Um, as Adam said, like, you know, it is great coming off the bench against Villa. But then how does he follow it up? 
and you know he doesn't always necessarily start a game strongly and things like that. So yeah, um, as I, I, I like the idea of having Podence in the, in the team because he, he offers you something a lot different to I think a lot of players. Um, but we'll, we'll go on to the game itself and. First 15 minutes were either of you to a little bit anxious because West Ham been great form this season. Um, you know, Moyes done a really good job of basically making the 2021 version of his Everton team from 15 years ago. Um, and they started really well and started opening up a lot of space. Even though I've had a, one or two chances, but nothing, you know too threatening. Blake, how did you sort of find most of that opening exchange before Wolves kind of found their rhythm? Yeah, it was nervy. I mean, I wasn't melting down over it or anything. You know, it wasn't mm. necessarily dreadful. Um, but yeah, it did just kind of look like, you know, West Ham were going to be the better team to begin with. Um, and yeah, it just kind of seemed like we were kind of letting the game slip away from this, from us in that first 15 minutes or so. Um, but that being said, we didn't really give up any massive chances and we just sort of held out until we could sort of take back possession of the game. And after that 15 minutes, we never really looked like we were going to concede. So granted first 15 minutes weren't as great as they could be, but they certainly weren't poor. No, Brycey, how about you? Yeah. Um, I thought the go the first fifteen. You could see where like you could see how Moyes got them to where they are on the table. They're quite well drilled, good quality players. I mean, that, and that midfield battle is always going to be interesting. You know, Rice, Rice and Suchek against Neves and Matinho. And uh, yeah, you, you could you got a sense that the first fifteen where, where we thought, okay, yeah, I can see why. What, what people have been saying, what we saw mm. on the TV thus far, where, you know, good, skillful players, good on the ball, well drilled. But then, as we've said, you know, Saad never really had any major saves to make, for, not just in the first 15, but then for the rest rest of the game. Um, and I suppose the first half as a whole was, after that cagey 15 minutes, the, first, the rest of the first half was kind of like, oh, OK, you know, wasn't any groundbreaking moments at all in in the first half, to be honest. It, but it was, I guess you call it one of those cliches. It's a bit of a chess game, essentially. The first half, you know, nothing really, no no standout moments. And you know, I don't really think either match today they, they, they had much to call out from the first half from what I watched this morning. But um, yeah, it was it, it was a kind of indicative of of two teams kind of feeling their way back into a bit of familiarity after an international break. And, the, and these, these sort of games after an international break, they can kind of go one of two ways. The way that we saw yesterday, and they can go the way of like Newcastle, Brentford, where it just gets silly and it's goals galore because everyone's forgotten what, what the tactics are during the week because they've been away with the national teams. But, yeah, um, you, you, you're, completely, you're completely on the money. I think it sort of shows that both teams like foundations are kind of fairly built on having a solid defense. Cause you know, for, for the first half an hour, they had the first 15, we had the next 15. It did sort of feel like, right. They've had their time to like assess what we're doing. Then it almost came like, right. You have the ball now. You have a look at what we're doing. 
and like neither team could just find a way through. It was mm. both teams played really good football, you know, both attack minded, wanting to let's say do things right, but also had that bit of steel about them. And you know, where where mm. West Ham, you like you look at you know, they say their centre midfield of Rice and Suchek, say robust pairing, um, particularly when you compare it to Nevis and Matinho. But uh, saying that, um, that, 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 we could probably highlight, I think, I, I would scroll down about eight players who I'd like to give recognition to, which I won't give all of them. But Nevis yesterday, again, as I said, against a combative, strong very very good midfield didn't half hold his own and same with Matinho but both of them were absolutely on song yesterday to really I say after that opening exchange really dominate through that middle of the park um, I thought I thought they were both fantastic yesterday yeah and you know there was one standout moment to be fair in the first half where Jimenez well probably should have scored on the cheap chip that he made against the keeper but even still, I mean, it was a beautiful ball from Neves to to send Jimenez through, and by all likelihood, VAR probably would have called him offside. But you know, look, we we dug it out in the end, and yeah, Neves did absolutely fantastic. Do Neves we think have been like the season of his yeah. life, isn't it, at the moment? Yeah, I mean, he, he just, I mean, to be fair, I, I would have, I think, I was going to do a poll on Twitter saying like, all biases aside, who'd you rather have, Declan Rice or Ruben Neves? And then actually, I looked at the Premier League stats. You know, on their app, you can compare the two players. Mm. I mean, it's not a huge amount in it, but like Neves does like win like most forward passes, most passes, most tackles. I was like, oh, bloody hell, um, I can't really do this now. But in terms of Neves, again, he's having the season this season that I think a lot of us, particularly me, thought he was going to have last season. And for one reason or another, it sort of stuttered, you know, whether it was him personally, team as a whole, club, whatever. But this feels like he's hit the point of progression where we're expecting him to hit when he went up to the Premier League. You know, it was that Rolls-Royce player in the Championship and it never kind of quite had that same feeling in the Premier League. Whereas now, fourth, fourth season in, feels like we've got that where, where everyone kind of just assumed he'd be now. And I mean, he's still ridiculously young, isn't he? But it does feel like he is, you could class him as one of the really top quality centre midfielders in the Premier League now. I think, I think it's been like afforded. Uh, well, you, you said last season, he, he, he didn't, it wasn't a patch on what he's now. I think obviously there's, Quite a few clear reasons for that about like the how the team was set up and how we were asked to play. The the, the handbrake was on, but this year it's like we don't even. He doesn't have a handbrake this year. Neves, he just doesn't have one at all. He's he's in fifth gear every game because he's he's just he's just running the games at the moment. Neves, um, he's it, it's, it's almost like he's been given license to. Go off and just do do his thing. He's under no sort of heavy tactical restraint. It's just essentially Bruno sent him out there with instructions of just do you just you be you. Go out there and just do what you do best. Get on the ball, pick your passes, pass it round. 
even if everyone thinks you're having a really bad shot that turns out to be an awesome pass, do that as well. <laughs> that's, you know, that's what it just, it, it just seems as though is. It's just, it's just everywhere at the minute. It's just, it just seems to be in, in like in the middle third. It's just everywhere. In at the minute, he's just having the season which like we thought we were there. There you go. Never Martino, pass or slide. I was going to say we will hop forward a because Rob Cartwright asks two questions in Twitter corner, which should actually be an automatic dismissal of both. Um, however, we've had, we have we have brought one of them up, so I feel obliged to be able to bring one up. Um, the the Nevis Martino guys, are we are we calling it an ingenious pass or an awful shot? Why not both? <laughs> yeah. I think it just shows when you look in, you look in, isn't it? And he he is just it's that level of consistency which he's not quite been able to produce in the last couple of years. Like you'll get like three or four games off him in a row and then it might dip and you know he might drop out for then donker or you know changes to a three five two and x y and z but this season you know we're what are we 13 games in something like that um i really should really should know um but you know he, he's probably had two not amazing games and i'd argue those are you know probably games where the whole team played poorly and was more indicative of that, and yeah, just again yesterday, just typified what he's all you know, what he's all about the the passing, but the dogged defensive work that he gets through as well, and you know, it's just it's a side to his game that he relishes as well. And you say, like Adam says, it feels like he's just been given license to just do what you're good at, and you know, you know, the rest will sort of take care of itself. Um, I was going to say, saying that, or one thing I think's quite interesting with Neves is when he plays well, so do at least one of the wing backs because he's got players to feed a lot of the time. And it feels like this year he's using the likes of Semedo more to open up the pitch. Um, again, I, I, I mean, I think Nelson Semedo probably played slightly better than Nate Norwood, but I thought both of them yesterday were. Just fantastic in terms of what they offer the team. I mean, particularly like you look at Smedo for the work he did for the goal, um, let alone anything else. He just, again, he seems to be the player who we thought we were getting 18 months ago, all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I know that there's been a lot of people who have sort of bad mouth. Samito for one reason or another but he's certainly come around and I don't really think that you can reject that now I mean he, he might not be the attacking for force that he could be but I mean defensively he's superb and he gets the ball up the pitch so for a wing back I don't know what more you're really looking for yeah I saw some some people online who still are saying um, that he's still he still got to convince me, or he still got some convincing to do. I thought, what, what else do you need, you know, to be to be convinced about? It? Because he's he's consistently played well now for a very long time. You know? I'd say since the start it's, of this year, you, you could argue. Yeah, so he's basically not yeah. like you know knocked in a calendar year of you know solid defensive performances. And and not only 
is he good on the defensive side? Obviously, he's been a wing-back. He's actually good at getting forward. He's actually bringing an element of what Traoré does to his own play as well. He's happy to mm. take on their their full-back. Um, he's, he's, he's good at getting the ball in. He's got the good, got the good link-up players, what we said. He's solid. He's dependable. He's not really injury-prone. I think I've had, I can't remember the last time he actually missed a game through injury no. as well. But Samedo, he's just... Uh, as we said, he's a player which uh, we all got excited about when we signed him. But obviously, again, due to the conditions and the scenario last year, we uh, didn't see immediately. But he, you know, even then, last season, people were saying, "Okay, well, I can see that there's some green shoots of a really like fantastic player here." Even though, even though we weren't seeing it regularly, but now we are, we are seeing it regularly. And, and, I don't know. It's going to be one of these issues that we have again with with Wolves fans in that because they didn't like him at the start, they're never going to like him ever. Yeah. It doesn't matter what he does now; that their initial opinion just has stuck with some people, and they can't deviate or they can't change from from, from those opinions. Because you know that it's probably like in fact, it's probably not even limited to Wolves fans. Is it? It's, it's probably just football fans in general. You know, I, I don't know, but you know what some people are like. You know, they've made their judgment, and that's it. Bang, they can't they can't change from it. Yeah, it's like it's, it's okay to be wrong. You know, players do improve and get I'm better. All the time. Yeah, I was going to say I'm used to it. <laughs> I, I, I'm comfortable in my ability to be wrong. I can just ask my wife, and she'll list quite a few occasions if I'm not careful. Um, but you know, let's say steady Eddie Semedo. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I did. I did realise after thinking of that yesterday, and Ben not using it out of fear of embarrassment. West Ham as a club slash when you play them, I already know the show title for today. It could have been about four or five. They were a very pun heavy football club. You know, you can make it. There's a lot of wordplay you can use around some of the players, but the nicknames of West Ham and stuff like that. I'm going off tangent. I know it's not in the running order, but I feel it needs to be said because I made a joke about chips over rice yesterday, which was genuinely awful. <laughs> I know it. I'm appreciative of it, but also like that. I don't know. I just feel like how many? Not even you know. In the show title, it won't even involve the word hammer. I mean, because we only won one nil. But you know, imagine if we imagine if him has a score that dink. What I think is trying to be his trademark. I've got a whole thing. He wants to be like known as a striker. You know, that's his trademark finish. Um, but anyway, anyway, I, I, I will drag the show back of my own tangent the, the the wolves goal i mean it we, we've already talked about podents coming in the impacts he had yesterday we've talked about Samedo. um both of them involved in the goal i mean it was, it was just a fantastic team goal um yeah, yeah like pro- proper training ground flowing move everyone knew what they were doing Jimenez's third goal of the season and what I wanted to note on it was that was a very archetypal Jimenez goal from the last couple of years in terms of like just taking a step back, the cut back to him, and then just the, and then just like the, the the astute finish into a bottom corner. It, it that that you know his his last two goals have been you know confident finishes of a superstar striker, but this was just. Bread and butter for him for me. Yeah, cool, calm, collected. 
it, it really is that simple. I mean, he just took the ball and slotted it at home, and it wasn't an easy finish either. I mean, he had, no. I think, about three defenders in front of him. Um, any of them could have easily cleared the ball away, but he just sort of found his way through all of them um, with his shot. And it was just, yeah, like you said, like a knife through butter. I think, um, I think it was after his first season at Wolves, like, he won an award at the the, the, the annual awards, and I, and I can't remember who it was. It might have been Cody, because uh, he's quite good at talking and giving analysis. Um, said, said sometimes, you know, he's really good at tight, awkward finishes. You look at the goal he scored against Man U in the Cup, that goal against Spurs um, at Wembley, where it's almost just underneath his feet, and that had a bit of a feel of that to it, um, where he just knows what he's doing. And, uh, you know, say, but, but for me, I think it, it, you know, almost the team aspect of the goal was just as important as the, as the finish. How about yourself, Adam? Yeah, I think I think do we start with the kit? Do we start with Sar? I can't remember. Yeah, that, it, but, um, it went all the way through it, the team. I did see a clip online. Yeah, when um, it just it, it pings up an icon of the, each player in the bottom left on Twitter. I saw I saw a good thing this morning. Uh, if if put an icon of every player who touched the ball, I think like over half the team touch the ball and then what there's a couple of things I liked about it one obviously Samedo again getting the ball driving forward with it then yeah it gives it to Jimenez who's dropped deep which we know he does but it's just the way he, he's always involved in that in that he's quite happy to drop back and be involved in the team build-up and then be on the end of our own build-up you know he's come in he's, got, he's dropped deep he's got the ball probably played, you know, brought a player of positions played it um back into Pedence and I, l- I love the fact that Pedence again it's only his what second start of the season but he knows exactly where to put that ball for Jimenez Jimenez he knows that Jimenez is not going to continue to run into the box and look you know for a lofty cross into the box trying to head it in he knows that when, once his that ball's been laid off to him by Jimenez that he's going to cut it back for him again and as we've said you know that finish very very typically him, you know, look through the highlight reel of, of him and as his 50-odd goals for us and you'll see a lot of that of that type of finish. Um, yeah, and, and it wasn't a, wasn't a difficult, sorry, it wasn't an easy finish either. It, it was quite difficult. Um, obviously, yeah, we talked about the chip earlier. We did, you know, I was being in the safe bank, that looked a lot closer than what it actually was at the time when I watched that back. But that, that finish, brilliant. And you just think sometimes that, if we created more than two chances a game for Jimenez, you know how much more fruitful it'd be with us. But some, you know, sometimes I think yeah, it's great how many goals scored for us. But if we could just create more for him, it'd be even more, even more fruitful. But I just delighted, delighted for him to score. And in a way, it was kind of meant to be. Obviously, with his documentary that come out that we'll talk about, you know, later on the show, um, it was just fate. we just meant to be that, that he would get a goal. Uh, yesterday, uh, when after that came out, so delighted for him as ever. Yeah, um, one thousand percent. I think the um, point you made about you know Podence just immediately being able to drop in and just know what he needs to do. I think that was a kind of a cool thing for me because um, it basically meant. <sighs> I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it. It, it, say it was almost like a team goal, but you know it. Beyond that, it was training ground. Everyone sort of just knew, right, 
I'm going to run in this direction. I'm going to run in this direction. If Jimenez stays marked up, which you'd, you assume you'd mark a you know prolific goal scorer on the edge of the box, then you've got let's say two people running in and supporting and advancing, but Samedo then drags people out and keeps that momentum going for Jimenez to take that really good step, um, really good step back. Um, who else, Sean, for you guys? Anyone Anyone else that stand out for you? Kilman, obviously. Um, but I don't know. I just think everyone was brilliant. I mean, there's not really any performance you can pick out of that that was even mediocre. I think everyone really played their part, and it was just... It was just a great performance all around. Yeah, I mean, I think Rich. I, I, next time you ask that question, I'll, I'm going to have to just buy like I don't know, like a Burger King style King Crown, just put it on my head <laughs> when you ask that question next time about who's played well. So I can just I can, for the visual view, if one's watching I mean, YouTube, I can just see moment, where, I, where my vlog is stamped. <laughs> I mean, we are 27 minutes into this recording, and it's taken me a lot of willpower not to mention how. Because of the lighting, I appreciate for the podcast listeners this won't make sense, but it does look like Adam does have a halo over his head because of where his uh, because of where his light is. So I am sort of just assuming everything Adam says is heavenly at this point. It's either, it's either that, or I'm always got a good idea. Yeah, I never have, so it can't be that. Me, me and Blake were talking about this before the show, and I've turned off a light because it is literally above my head, um, just to make sure because I think. You only have to hear. You don't have to hear me speak for nearly half an hour to know that there are very few ideas um, good that are coming out of this mouth. Um, in terms of man of the match, I've pulled up the um, poll we did on the fancast. Genuinely, it was it was hard to nail it down to four because I'd have had eight Nori um, in, in there as well. You could have had Podence as an option, but you know I think Neves kind of ran away with it. But I mean, again, like it, it's. It is a nice problem to have, isn't it? The every week, particularly it's Kilman and Saar, when we kind of go around, you know, you know, five o'clock on a Saturday or whatever, we're saying player I don't know who's getting you know enough praise is so and so, and they are, but everyone's doing so well. Everyone is just performing, um, and there's still room for improvement. Don't, don't get me wrong. But, you know, if uh, it feels like at the moment a lot of our wins is as a collective. It's not just, you know, we've grounded out, the defence has had a good game and we've nicked one on the break. It feels like everyone is ev- everyone who played contributed to that win in, in one that, way or um, another. Yeah, I know that uh, with, 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 the, with the King Kilman, I know that yeah, his first 15 minutes weren't up to usual levels, but as we, we talked about that earlier about the team anyway. But then after that, it was like, as, as Dan's tweet put out, you know, they spent 100 grand to get Antonio back just to be pocketed by Kilman the whole game. Yeah. And, that was, yeah. and, that was, and that was true. And Kilman, for the rest of the game, was up to like his usual very high standards. Could have had a goal as well. And let's, oh. let's, um, let's talk about Ait Nora's little training ground set piece there I as well. I've never seen that I, I, I felt, even though I felt that, I thought the line the could be because he did the initial like run over the ball and I just said out loud, well, who's that fooling? And then he turns around and just pings it in. And Everyone, on that's who he's fooling. Fine. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's, I mean, fair play. Like we said, we said, we said about Aitnor as well. 
we already knew he was going to start. Marcel, I think he's pretty much now fit, but Aitnor just gives us again that more attacking injection down the left, down the left hand side. Marcel's good. Marcel's really surpassed my expectations because he's played, you know, the lion's share of the game so far. I didn't think he'd even get like three games in a row, given his previous injury issues. But you know, he's he's been solid enough up until now, and I'm not going to I'm not going to knock him. But Aitnor. When we want to attack teams, you know, he's he's the guy that we need playing in that slot. He had a great game. Um, Matinho also had a good get off not to never as his standards, but I thought Matinho um, played well. And, so, yeah, we, you mentioned Saar there, Rich, as well. I mean, again, he didn't have any real saves of difficulty to make, but I'm seeing now that it's getting more and more the common opinion that, we loved, we love Rui. I love Rui. You know, down, you know, down to the ground. But what's what's Saar doing that you know Patricio could? You know, or the better way of putting that is, you know, what 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 did Rui do that Saar can't and now can do better essentially? Because Jose Saar, to be honest, has been an, an amazing goalkeeper for us, and, and for the, for the price we got for Rui, for and then for what we got for Saar, what an amazing bit of business by. The club as well, and think that he's, he's been playing Champions League football and winning the Greek League over and over again with Olympiacos. Never got a sniff at the national team. He's been with us for three months. And he's already on the bench now for Portugal <laughs> in the last round of, of their national team matches. So the theme there is: if you want to get in the national team, come to Wolves. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, particularly if it's Portuguese. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I was say, I think I think that sort of wraps up the West Ham chat. I say, like, it was a really good game of football. It was disappointing it was on last of match of the day. I've already had my bit of a rant about it because I completely understand why it was last, but it was still annoying. And it's like, think, like we, 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 we have, like, what, about two and a half minute highlight reel? Yeah, it wasn't very long. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what I would like to sort of finish off with is just to sort of cement that, you know, it wasn't just that West Ham lost, it was that Wolves won. Because yeah. I think there have been a lot of performances this season where we've kind of debated, well, have Wolves won it, have, you know, so-and-so lost it. And I think tonight was, well, last night was a really just solid performance from Wolves. And it wasn't like West Ham were just pushovers. They, they showed up and we were just the better side. Yeah, no, completely agree. Um, what, one thing that uh, we sort of spoke about it um, just before recording was, would you say this was our best performance of the season? I guess like an, as an overall 90 minutes plus result. I mean, because you're right, some of the other victories, there's been, uh, I wouldn't say a shadow or, 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 or too many negatives, but you know the the Villa game, fantastic, fun, fan, fantastic way to win a game of football. But we still weren't great for large parts of it. A few of the others, Everton, we started really well. We had a great first half, and then couldn't quite manage the game out. Whereas, all right, apart from the opening stages of um, Saturday's game, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't really nerve wracking, but it wasn't great. Apart from that, we, we, you know, we're in control for it. And, you know, I just, you know, it was a shame we only scored one because I think otherwise that, that's, you know, na- nailed on to, to be our best performance of the, you know, best game of the season, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Um, Villa, Villa was a, is a 
one-off, really. That's not going to happen again any time soon. And we didn't play well anyway, to, to be honest. Uh, that was just a crazy 15. But Everton, Everton game was quite clear and by some distance going to be our best performance of the season. But it, it ended up being our best first half of the season because, as, as, we, as we well know, second half, we let them back into it. But I think this is their best... You, yes, you could argue this is their best performance of the season because of A, who the opposition were, you know, someone who's in a great run of form, top four team, and just how well we controlled it, you know, against a team in, who's in the top four, we controlled it, we never looked in any real danger at all, as you said, we could have had more than the one that we scored, um, and just how we just completely nullified them, as, you know, as, as Blake said, it wasn't as if West Ham turned up and just couldn't get out of first gear and we we just took advantage. We we just suffocated them and didn't allow them to play their own game and we just basically excelled at our game plan. So I think yeah, you could probably could argue, make a very good argument for it being our best uh, best performance this season. Yeah. So far. Yeah, definitely. Right. Well, we'll round up the West Ham chat there. We're going to take a short break. Um, you get to listen to a wonderful advert, and we will be back right after this, guys. Hi, everyone. Matt from Walls Fancast here. If you're anything like me, time is of the essence these days. How am I meant to take training with my wonder kids on the managerial football simulation game that I'm not allowed to mention for legal reasons if I'm too busy worrying about my online media presence? Well, that's where our friends at PixelYetiMedia.com come in. They're not just web designers. They're a creative agency that cover all of your design needs from websites, brochures and signage to marketing, logo design and branding. So go check them out at PixelYetiMedia.com. They'll get you set up quicker than a Dharma Traore running at a terrified left back. Speaking of which, who's got my baby oil? Hello and welcome back to Wolves Fancast. Um, two little tidbits I kind of wanted to kind of talk about, um, I guess, from preview show on Thursday to um, the show on Sunday. Um, the, the first one, and it kind of came as a little bit out of nowhere um, was the announcement of the Raul Jimenez documentary, um, Code Red, that de- details the, the aftermath um, around um, his skull fracture injury. And, you know, and the other sort of side of it I thought was particularly interesting as well was um, that it was also on BBC. Uh, you know, it was an in-house production by Wolves. We'll talk about the actual kind of you know, content at the moment rather than just for production, um, production of it. But I did think, you know, it's pretty amazing that the club have actually produced a documentary internally and it's, you know, I feel really lofty and liberal when I say this now. Um, but actually, you know, it's free to wear for actually anyone to access it. And, you know, I think that is a really cool thing that, you know, the, that they've, you know, managed to get it to run on, run on BBC. Um, but you know, away from the lofty values of free-to-air television, but the the documentary itself, guys, have you had a chance to watch it in the last couple of days? Yeah, yeah, it's really well done. I mean, it was an interesting moment because I think none of us, when it happened, none of us really knew what it was going to be. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, we've never really seen before an instance where somebody's really had 
a, a big incident with their head. Um, uh, certainly not with wolves. I mean, you've certainly seen it around the world with, with in smaller scale. But for football, it's just a very rare occurrence. And I mean, he was out. He was dead out, and we all heard it. For I mean, it was the only thing you could hear since there were no supporters. So it, it was a very, very scary moment. It was, I think, just very interesting to see how it all played out between you know Rolls family and um, the personal trainers and Nuno certainly and. Yeah, it was just really interesting to see that side of it. And then it also showed a little bit of his recovery as well. And I know there's been the meme about him wearing his helmet for uh, head football. Um, And yeah, yeah, it was just really interesting to see how that all sort of happened and how emotional that kind of was for both for Wolves and for everybody who knew Raul. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, because it, was I say it was on TV? It, it wasn't in front of a crowd. I, I'd kind of forgotten. I get, I guess, some of those emotions behind it and how, you know, genuinely life-threatening it was. Like you know, I if we, we're a bit numb to football injuries a lot of the time, I think, and uh, you know that that might just be me saying that, and I'm happy to sort of, you know, stand stand by that. But you know, if a player turns and does his ACL in you see it quite often, you know, there'll, there'll be at least one, you know, don't get me wrong. It's, it, it, it's, it's devastating when, you know, John, Johnny did it the first and well, the, the second time I watch a lot of American football, um, and, you know, th- 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 there'll be at least one quarterback or one really good player who will tear it a, a, a season. And like, that seems to be, you know, probably the biggest injury, regular injury a player can suffer. But, uh, you know, it's like you you forget how like genuinely like life threatening that could be in a way. It's like I, I bring up American football. It was a couple of years ago now, um, but it, it just reminded me of um, an American football player called Alex Smith, who he he suffered like a double leg fracture, um, similar to sort of like the Eduardo and Ramsey, like clean break sort of thing. Um, they did the surgery, but he got an infection, and it nearly like it ne- like completely, you know, um, you know, it w- it wasn't going to be a question of whether he could play again. It was you know whether a question he could live, and you know that wasn't what you sort of first expected when he went down on the field and things like that. Because you think, oh well, they they recover their athletes, they're you know superhuman, basically. Um, fortunately, Alex Smith, similar to this, actually did make a recovery, managed to sort of play a little bit of football again before before retiring. They say that, that just that the, the rawness when I think we all realised that something wasn't quite right did, did sort of hit home. And so, when, yeah. when you sort of like Nuno's reaction as well, Pricey. Yeah, there's there's a couple of things that I kind of um, took away from it. Um, firstly, yeah, that. That's, I think they left the sound in, didn't they, in the documentary of when it mm. actually happened and such. And as you said, there's nothing else you couldn't, you, could, you couldn't hear anything else at the time. And one thing that got me straight away is what Cody said. You know, he, he knew not for anyone to, to touch with him or mess with him. You know, he, he said that, you know, he's the one thing he knows is that keep them on his side. And you could hear, like, like the microphones obviously close to the pitch, you could hear mm. him telling everyone, you know, don't touch him, don't touch him, you know, just, just leave him alone. And 
it, 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 it's amazing how like, he literally could have died right there like, on on the pitch, essentially, or, or very short time afterwards, you know. And if he hadn't got the the, the medical attention he did, and that was something again which uh, I've learned from listening to what Matt Perry said, in that you know before every game they've got everything mapped out where the nearest yeah. specialist is, where the nearest hospital trauma centre is, or, or whatever. The, the, the minutes that it'll take to get to that place so they know exactly what amount of time they're dealing with. You know, I think this sort of thing to go into every little game, all these finer details, just the, 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 the prep they must do, right down to finer detail is, is amazing. And I, I got I got choked up a bit watching Nuno, to be honest, how much, you know, he, he, just, just drawing those memories back. Because obviously, I think that this was filmed pretty shortly after he got the Spurs job. So he was obviously still in his Spurs gear. But, you know, even going back all that time, nearly a year ago to the game, it still quite clearly affects him, you know, it just, just talking about it because he was there living it, at the, at, you know, at the, at the touchline. Now, I've seen watching all the medical staff go past saying code red and even he says himself, what, what is code red? What does that mean? And, um, the fact that the players, you know, managed to put that to one side and go ahead and win the game is absolute testament to the players as well. And um, you've got to feel for you know his family, you know the one, the one, the family in Mexico who couldn't do anything, couldn't even get on the plane to come over because of you know the world conditions at that time. Um, it just to me, it brought home that little sense of helplessness, really. Um, for his family, he just couldn't really do anything, and even like his, his partner Daniela, who well, just go in a taxi, but you know, couldn't spend too much time with him. But I mean, the whole thing is a testament to how much of a warrior that Raul Jimenez is. You know, that well, was it the next day? Was it he was up and saying, "Yeah, I'm all right. I'm 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 awake. I want to. When can I play?" <laughs> Essentially, yeah. Like, when can I... No, no, no. Calm down, mate. You're always just <laughs> one, one day at a time, and uh, it's just. What what goes into his recovery as well? Everything to get him slowly but surely, you know, up to where he is now and back scoring again. Amazing! Such a well produced documentary as well. Credit to the to Yanni Wolves for putting that together. I think he's got universal praise online, right, rightly so, mm. for putting that together. Um, what an amazing half hour documentary it is! And obviously, I've done. There's probably too many Wolves fans who haven't seen it by now, but I'd obviously urge you all to watch it if you haven't and then even if you're not a Wolves fan you know it's just a it's just a great half an hour documentary into what could have been you know a very very um black moment you know in football history if you know if it, you know had it gone the other way rather than the way it went yeah i think the, the awareness it brings to you know the, the the hard work that doesn't just happen with those players on the football pitch from the medical staff you say like you know it, they 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 plan and drill for this, um, you know, for this one in a million chance. And you know, I think when you tie it in with, um, you know, probably the Christian Eriksen incident over the summer, but you know, all the Wolves players, um, it was only about a month ago, wasn't it? But they all had like CPR first aid training. I don't know whether that was because of uh, Christian Eriksen or Jimenez or you know or, or whatever, but I think it just shows like. You know, this this is a good football club. You know, this is a team who cares and you know for one another and stuff like that. So it's 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 really powerful. Um, we say from top down, everyone involved. You know, we 
we we could kind of you know we could wax lyrical about all of them the the the, the strength and the you know the skill to get back to the position we're in and to do it also you know as adam said watch it if you haven't if you're listening to this and you're not a wolves fan maybe you're a sadist west ham fan and you wanted to kind of pick a different thing get go and have a listen as well um it might make you feel a bit better about me scoring against you i, I don't know but um yeah de- definitely go check it out guys the other thing I wanted to talk about, guys, a bit of a lighter note. Let's we'll try and bring the mood back up from feeling sort of raw and emotional. Um, is Connor Cody, um, your mate and mine, um, a bit, a bit in between captaining Wolves, playing for England, um, helping out on an anti-bullying campaign this week. He's also appearing on Match of the Day two this evening. It, it, is there anything he, d- he doesn't make time for? Do you reckon if you like you're moving house, like you just go, yeah, don't, don't, don't worry, I'll, I'll, I'll free up some time, you know, Sunday morning, I can come help. He's just everywhere. Yeah, no, he just seems like a total stand-up bloke, don't he? And yeah, this is sort of the question that that's going to be interesting to see after he retires: is is he going to go into management or is he going to go into commentary? I think that's going to be really interesting mm. to find out. Um. But yeah, no, I mean, this isn't his, this won't be his first time doing presentations. I think he did what was it that he did before? I can't remember what else he's done, but I know he's been on telly with whoever before. Um and yeah, I mean, he's just he's awesome. He's just he's a great character and thank God we have him at Wolves. He seems like the kind of guy who will like if you paint a fence or something outside, he'd offer to come along and help or it, it at least definitely make you a cup of tea or something if you're outside yeah. working. It, it would definitely do that. Um, yeah, I mean, what's left to say about the guy, to be honest? I mean, as you said, Rich, all the stuff he's, he's done. And again, that was another video that brought out a lot of emotion, the, the anti-bullying one um, that he did with that with that kid, that mascot, amazing, again. Uh, yeah, what, what, else, what else can you say? Yeah. Everyone just seems above him. He, 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 he mentioned the England squad. You know, he, he spends five minutes there, and every any player that's been interviewed after being in the England squad just talks about Cody in, in glowing terms. Even Southgate, who didn't play him in the Euros, still said, "You know, I'm gutted. We got to the final, I'm gutted because well, I never got to play Connor Cody." You know, everyone just seems to fall in love with the guy, and you know, the fans rightly recognise by and large how much of integral. Uh, cog keys to to our system, um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to watching it. I'm looking forward to watching it tonight. Um, some some of his pearls of wisdom that will be on there, I'm sure. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he talks about walls. If he offers up any little nuggets of inside information, yeah, that's what I'm kind of really hoping for. Because you know, he, he can be sort of. Uh, I say this from, and this is a bit of a humble brag from interviewing him before. But he's a very good speaker, and he can. He's very like you were there as well, weren't you, Adam? Um, mm. But actually, I, I, I think he's quite relatively coy about you know showing his personality, but also being media trained at the same time, and like not not giving away the whole shot. But he's got that bit of a thumb personality that he knows when to you know when, when to show it, but also not to say something completely stupid like other people we've interviewed for the fan cast. Um, 
I, I really hope that he just had like I, I hope he kind of give you know he's able to kind of show a bit of his personality, show his fun side, and also show that analy- analytical, I guess, and how he kind of approaches the game because you know he clearly knows he orchestrates things onto the pitch. You know, I'd, I'd be quite keen to sort of see how he breaks down um, the Man City and Everton game and the Leeds Leeds Spurs game. So um, we'll see. Um, we'll see. Shall we round up with some Twitter corner questions, guys? Right, let me let's. let me fire them up. I can't really see, so let's see if it's this the right one. Yes, it, no, that's one we already had. Sorry, guys. So first one up is Rob Cartwright. He and he put in two. I put them both on, and I clicked for one one sound. Okay, so first one because we've got Adam on, who is, as I said, the. Um, Executive Vice Chairman of the King Kilman Club. I think we're all just. I think we're all in it now, right? I, I, I feel like I've paid my membership dues at this point. I don't think I'm. I don't quite need. I don't quite need a job type a, a title as yet. But I think everyone's on board the Kilman train. But Rob's question is, um, Kilman to Qatar. Now we are 13 months away from the World Cup. Admittedly, um, you know he's he's not had a call up yet. There are. Other ones in front of him. Do we see any likelihood if he keeps up this form that he, he could be playing there? Particularly if like Mings doesn't quite, you know, someone like Tyrone Mings, um, not just dig out a Villa player, but no. If eh. Mings can do it, Kilman can. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely assuming we're talking not, not just about Kilman going on a random holiday to Qatar here. It's definitely about the World Cup. <laughs> oh. Um, I, that's what I've interpreted it, but you, you know what, Adam? <laughs> you can take it whichever way you want. <laughs> Are we seeing Kilman in, uh, in the random summer holiday in Qatar? Hmm, yes. Um, yes, World <laughs> Cup. Um, if, well, if if the form continues as we expect, then he's got to be in the conversation. And like I was, I'm channeling my um, inner Marcus Speller here by saying that he's on the plane. For me, you know, he's definitely got to be on the plane. Um, when you look at some of the defenders that we've got at the minute, I mean, he's listen, for me, he's already above like the out, you know, the outside dross, like the Michael Keynes of this world and, and what have you. Um, for me, Mings is obviously a bit up and down, and this is all obviously based on current form. He, he, he's better than Mings anyway, in probably mine and many other people's views, and then. Probably, you know, based on current form, I'd, I wouldn't even play Harry Maguire. I'd be <laughs> playing Kilman ahead of Maguire because Maguire is a bit of a circus at the minute. So for me, if like if, if form continues per current trajectory, for me, he's, he's got to be in there. I've, I haven't seen anything to say otherwise. There's, there's no evidence to say otherwise as to why he wouldn't be England class defender. It's also worth noting that um, this is going to be a winter World Cup. So it, it, he does have extra time, and uh, I'm sure England will be playing some sort of friendlies during the summer. So yeah, I think we to get the call up then. Yeah, I think there's the next international breaks March. It'll be friendlies well between now and then. So I don't know, I, I, you've seen with Southgate that you're kind of quite committed to having players who have kind of helped through qualifying, but I think there's always chance for those players who come in on form as well. So you know, fingers crossed for him because he's. You know, he's done the business for the first third of the season. Um, right, next up, Paul Watson asked, at what age is it socially acceptable to say, can we just go for a quiet one tonight? 
Um, I don't know what this is, so you guys are going to have to help me out with this one. Right. Blake's, um, Blake's probably go for a, just a quiet one anyway, just a quiet, a quiet drink in the pub. Like, oh, then, but but oh. you've got to actually. But you can probably say that, but he never actually sticks to that. It never actually ends up as a quiet one in the pub tonight. It probably ends up being a, a mad. So you're popping out, then going out, then going out. Yeah. Then you, yeah, and then you, you stay out, out at the end of it. Yeah. So I was going to say the, the quiet one would almost imply that you're going out for one drink, um, but you only want to go out for one drink, whereas no one really ever goes out for one drink. It's always. You know, multiple ones. Um, at what age? I don't know. It's got to be about thirties. Or if you've got a couple of kids, yeah, then you normally, then you normally say that. Yeah. As someone who rarely has more than one drink, I think I'm a little biased here. <laughs> yeah, that's a tricky one. I'm going to go for thirty-three. Yeah, because... I feel like I feel like I've been saying that kind of phrase for a few years now. So yeah, I'll, I'll probably go along with that. Sort of yeah. thirty, yeah, thirty-five at the limit, seeing limit. Yeah, I'm I'm good with that. Right. Um, do 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 do. Let's do this one from Stu. Um, I can't make... no context to this one at all. Um, have you ever been told you're not as fat as I thought you'd be um, by someone you've never met before? For context, for context, Kim did say this to Stu last night when we we all met at the pub. So, we have it. but um, no, no, I have not. That's uh, that's that's. I was going to say, uh, me and Blake are probably on the slimmer side of the scale. Yeah, yeah I was going to say yeah. we're probably yeah. never going to be mentioned. <laughs> We'd be hard pushed to find out if anyone's told us that we are not as fat as today. I was going to say. I'm a bit almost annoyed that this question has come up for you two who are very slim in stature men compared to my slightly more stockier frame. Um, no one's ever said I'm not as fat as they thought I'd be. Um, I did have a co-worker once, so it wasn't straight away, but like um, they had our... Um, a photo of us on like a meet the team section on the website and she said she admitted like about after like a couple of months of working there she was like i i saw your photo and i thought you were going to be so mean and angry and like terrifying and then i met you and realized after like two minutes that you really weren't any of those things i was like okay <laughs> it was it was like a generic headshot sort of thing but like the angle was ever so slightly like i was leaning down so yeah i've, I've never had anyone so I'm not as fat as i thought i'd be fortunately um last one to round us off um is some skills geek uh if you could pick uh, the song uh played when wolves win at molyneux what would it be so i guess a vi- so not Goal celebration music, um, which I think people are sort of on the fence about, blah, 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 after we win. So, yeah. I've I've been umming and ahhing about this one because I think there's a few good options. Personally, uh, I love it how we have it now with Everybody Wants to Rule the World. I mean, that's a fucking class song. So, I don't know. I, I, I'm not too picky about win songs as long as we actually win. <laughs> Hmm. I think I'll try and I'll try and metal it up and play Metallica or something, Wolf and Man or something, anything with Wolf in the title, just to 
inject a bit of rock into the occasion, I would. Just just because. That's it. Just why not? If you go down that path, though, Adam, you could be playing Duran Duran and like the Wolf. Or Mumford and Songs, because they've got Also acceptable. Are we accepting yeah, Duran Duran and Mumford and Songs? Okay, okay. Hmm. <laughs> I feel like you'd need something either. I, I think it depends on the victory. Yeah. And also, like, I guess, is the song to praise wolves or is it to humiliate your opponents so i think i i'd, I'd maybe go for the curb your enthusiasm theme tune if, if if we beat like i don't know arsenal <laughs> or spurs and like make them like walk down the tunnel to it that, that could would work. be class that would be class. yeah i would love that like really shit house them put put it in put it into the club yeah i'll um i'll send an email later um, I'm sure they'll appreciate it. We, we, we'll me- I'll, I'll message uh, Muscle Jones later. I'm sure he won't mind. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think that's probably a good a point to end the show um, as there is, um, because otherwise I'm going to think of other, other songs. So big thanks to everyone who's joined us for today's show. Um, shout outs to 90 Min. Um, go check out there podcast network um to our sponsors pixel yeti media again as matt said in the ad for all your marketing needs go hit them up we will be back uh thursday i want to say to preview the norwich game which i was gonna say i can't remember i think it was the last podcast i I was on but i'm so glad they've won a couple of games it just you just knew that we were going to be one to lose first to them if they'd have kept up this, um, you know, winless streak. So very glad about that because I think we've then got now a good chance to meet them. Um, but yeah, little Dan and the rest will be covering that game. Um, make sure you hit us up on all our socials: Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and. If you're not listening to this or slash watching this on YouTube, go check us out on YouTube as well. Um, we're on Balls Fancast on all of those four because we like things nice and orderly. Um, until next time, though, it's goodbye from Blake. See you, everybody. It's goodbye from Adam. See you guys. Take care. And it's goodbye from me. See you next time.